Hey, show them what your name is. Do you have a man who you came with? Welcome back, y'all. Street Academy Podcast, where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets. <laughs> Listen up. We are here. We back for our second part, part two series of Black Music Month. Like we said in the last episode, we were not able to um, have conversations around Black music because we were talking about fatherhood, but June was Black Music Month. And so we decided to use Black August, right, to Mm -hmm. talk about Black music and the way in which Black music has influenced our lives. Um, And so because uh, August, I think it was August 11th, is uh, hip hop, right, like the, actually the birthday of hip hop. We, our last episode, uh, we talked about hip hop and how hip hop has influenced us personally and how hip hop has influenced black life and black culture, not only in America, but globally. Um, and we had a great conversation with Ayana. It was full of going back and just, man, just like reminiscing on all forms of hip hop and songs we like and, and rapping, feeling like we was rappers ourselves and quoting Lil' Kim lyrics and Absolutely. lyrics and <laughs> Murray and talking about the South and hip hop and just everything. And it was, we had a great time. So. Uh, we 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 really enjoyed that. So shout out to Ayana for that episode. And uh, if you're watching this episode, then that episode is already dropped. So then we decided, you know what would be really good? It's kind of like common, right, to talk about Black folks in hip hop because you know when you think about hip hop, you think about Black people, right? So it's like, all right, yeah, that's that's pretty synonymous. But then me and Amber was talking and was like, yo, what if we talk about like? Black people in classical music. You know what I'm saying? Because you typically don't think about that. When you think about classical, you think about like Beethoven and Mozart and like all these old white people that's dead. You know what I'm saying? And oh, and all that other kind of stuff. That's what you think about, right? Like initially, right? Most people probably, right? But it's like, man, but it's so, so many like dope Black people in hip hop and we were fortunate, you know what I'm saying, to go to Oakwood and just like take, you know, classes like music appreciation and stuff like that to where we could be introduced to how black people like influence classical music, you know what I'm saying? And 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 have access to like the Aeolians and like so many different types of classical music and, and have a great appreciation for it and know that, yo, like we, we have a place and a space in there, you know what I'm saying? And so we was like, yo, it'll be really dope and kind of out of the box for us to talk about that when it comes to Black Music Month. Because people will think about hip hop and jazz and R&B, but yo, like, let's let's bring in a different kind of conversation. So I think uh, that's that's how we got to this episode. So, Amber, you want to add anything to that? And with that, you'll also notice that our beloved co-host, Jackie Forbes, is not with us today. And that's because she's handling all kinds of real life business. And so for the next few episodes, you will see it'll be me and John with some wonderful guest co-hosts. And so today we have two amazing, talented, super professional, super artistic, brilliant um, artists here who will be talking about classical music. Um, and we're going to send love to Jackie. Jackie, you out there. We hope that you see us um, and you'll be back in due time. And so with that, I think we want to go into our first segment called Off the Georgia Dome, where we briefly just all share quickly, what are our thoughts about when you hear Black people in classical music? What do you think about or what do you want to say? John, do you want to start? And then I'll go and then I'll give it to the co-host, to the guest um, co-host. 
yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what are, you know what I'm saying? What what we just stated or what I just stated, you know, you think about like old white people when you think about classical music, but because I, I went to Oakwood and, you know, I, I know people who have, who are artists in like classical music. And I don't even know if there's like, I'm kind of lumping classical music as kind of this certain sound. And so it may be even other styles. So mm -hmm. definitely our co-hosts can, can, you know, tell us more about that because they're the professionals, professional artists, professional musicians um, within that genre. Um, but yeah, that's, that's generally what I think about. And then when I do think about black people, I think about when I've seen like, I don't know, like award shows or something like that, where they might highlight a classical musician, um, a black classical musician. Um, but I can't think of any names right now, but I know they're out there. Like I could see faces, but I can't think of any names. And so um, I, you know, I just, I look forward to the conversation so that our role in classical music can be more like um, pronounced. So like next time people have these conversations, they could be like, oh, nah, we know this person, this person, all it is. Oh, I even think about um, what was it, Porgy and Bess or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if that'd be considered classical, but like, that kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like presentation, like I think about that too when I think about um, this kind of genre and black folks. So I'm excited, man, it's gonna be dope. When I think about black people in classical music, one, I just, I feel like, like, well, we'll get to that later about our introductions of black people in classical music. But one of the first things I think about is just how, how I believe that black people created everything um, and anything wonderful. And so I feel like, in some way, Black people created classical music. I know they probably, maybe they didn't, but I believe they probably made it better in some kind of way, and we just don't know the stories. I feel like that, I, I, I guess when I think about Black people in classical music, I think, I, I feel like I, I think about how ignorant I am about it because I feel like there's so much story and so much history that I don't know and that I would want to know because I don't want to just so readily associate classical music with white people, but I know that I do. And so I'm like, I, I immediately feel like, man, I'm missing something. I want to know what the real stories are. I want to know what our placement was in this history and how it continues on. And so that's how I feel about it immediately. It's just kind of like one of those subjects where I'm like, I don't know a lot about this and I want to know more about it that in a way that I can speak about it at length and also appreciate it because Black people in classical music is, is not just necessarily the performance, but it's also just our experience with classical music. So I think about growing up and listening to different types of music and falling in love with it and then in some ways feeling like is this is this me, me associating myself with whiteness if I listen to classical music um, am I betraying myself in some kind of way or betraying my people or my culture if I like this more than maybe something else or is this just me being expansive like thinking about what it means to be a, a black person and just be just have um, multiple parts of your identity and not having to define that by the type of music that you listen to or the type of music that you prefer. And not just the music type of food, type of you know clothing, all those kind of things. And so it makes me think about blackness as an identity as well and it being expansive. So a whole lot of stuff in there. <laughs> Lauren or Ezra. And also introduce yourself, we'll talk a little bit about do they want to, Do you want them to do that now? Or wait? Not yet. We, okay. we're get that wasn't good tonight. But just you're off the Georgia Dome. <laughs> okay. Um, when I think about classical music, um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is beauty. I just think it's it's literally the most beautiful expression of music out there. I can listen to classical music 
whether it's opera or symphonic all day without you know any issue but i also hear it like when i listen to mozart i hear gospel and i hear a beat sometimes and i can feel it you know what i'm saying I'm like oh he's going hard on this part you know it's a different understanding of it and that's that's something that i feel like um not everybody can do but it's something i've noticed that whenever i'm around black people we we can do that we feel that beat we feel that rhythm immediately um <clears throat> and so for me it's it's beauty and it's also um i hear the difficulty in it as well because i know all that has to go into it in order to be able to perform that how it needs to be performed or in order to um just give it the appropriate and the the right i don't know how to say this um just give it everything that it's supposed to get right. so that's that's one of the that's one of the main things and it also makes me think of my dad because he was the first one to introduce me to classical music and to opera and he told me when i was four i was going to be an opera singer so wow oh yeah and I was like, I'm not, because it's just those fat white ladies with those big old horns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not doing that. Um, that's that's not that's not gonna be me. And that is like literally me to a T. I am that kind of opera singer. Those <laughs> 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 rules. So, <laughs> yeah, Wagner, Valkyries, all that. That's me. That's right up my alley. So you need to come sing with us. <laughs> oh, have me down. Uh, I'm ready. Down. Who can sing that kind of repertory over an orchestra that size? Listen, rare thing. I did that, and my first Wagner role I did it when I was six months pregnant. Boy, what in the up world? in the sky? Black women, bro. Black <laughs> women. Bro. You sing? What do you sing? The arias from, or do you sing the entire? I did go to Demerung. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. My husband and I both are Wagnerians, and he's what? The <laughs> boy. Come on now, y'all need to come on back. Uh, call me, Ezra. Ezra, call me. Let's do that. Look, we trying to, we trying to leak, bro. <laughs> what? Both y'all can sing. Yeah, Wagnerians. I like that. I like that term. I didn't know that was a term. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna learn so I'm much. Wagner's today. rolling over in his grave, knowing that a lot of black people sing. Oh really? Okay, we got to get to that. Oh, Ezra, what's your off the Georgia Dome? Dang man, I want to piggyback on what you said, Amber. You said I feel. I'm summarizing. You said I was wondering if it's right for me to listen to this music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, I think that's where I'm at on this. Like, I'm like, Black people can do hip hop because we can do anything. There's, there's, there's no area that we shouldn't be in. I think it's identity. Mm -hmm. That's what's kept us out, right? It's, white people have basically branded us as illiterate. And classical music is about literacy. You have to be able to read someone's writing. Hmm. and if you can't read the language then it seems like you're dumb and then you don't get no access to it and that's what they've done they've denied us access to literacy not just when what you read on a page but what you read on a musical page because they're they're words too they're 
Yeah. So anyway, I think that's that's my thing. Is like they kept us out of football. I'm I'm rambling now, just so so you understand the context of what I'm trying to say. They told us we can't play football like quarterback. Mm-hmm. We believed them, or at least we were just not allowed because it was an intellectual thing. They was like, we all ain't smart enough to lead and you're too emotional. All these reasons they'd be trying to tell us about ourselves. So that's one thing for me is how they identify us and how they push the identity on us. And then it's our reaction to that. Our reaction is, oh, well, I guess it's not for us. Classical music is not for us. What do you mean? It's no, it's, it's like me writing to you, Amber, and saying, hey, how's your day? It's a conversation. It ain't nothing more than that. Uh, uh, how you have the conversation can get more complicated as you become more uh, proficient with the language. You know what I'm saying? Like some, it's just a language thing. That's all. Mm. That's, that's my Georgia thing. Stop telling me I can't think, cause I can think, bro. Don't, right. don't tell. Me. I feel that, and it's like how how you have a conversation with a toddler versus how I'm gonna have a conversation with you. It's going to start off a bit more basic, right? But as I'm as I'm growing and as I'm becoming more intellectually sound, mm-hmm. I am able to have a better conversation with you. But if I'm a toddler and no one ever speaks to me, how am I ever going to learn? Mm. I'm not going to have that opportunity to. I like to think of it also like bilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know Spanish and English? Or I know. do you know English? Or right. you learn so you know a lot of languages. <laughs> right. But f- fluent in French. You know what I'm saying? French and English. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, Amber, you know Spanish. Un poco. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you know what? I'm 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 loving where we're already going. We're going, let's go straight into the conversation. Um, can you can you continue to talk about? I think, you know, um, Lauren, you started off saying that your dad introduced you and he already like prophesied upon your life when you right. were a young little girl saying that you were going to be an opera singer. So can you tell us a little bit about where you actually are? You did say a little bit about where you are now, but if you can just share just a little bit more, just explicitly, this is where I am, this is what I do. And then tell us a little bit more about um, how you did get introduced to music. So um, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina now. Mm-hmm. And it's me and my husband and our daughter who um, wants to be like a rapper. So <laughs> it's very different. She's she's really sick she of don't rapper, bro. We're two classical musicians. There is she's gonna be she plays her guitar and she raps. Yes. So that's okay. her thing. Um, but right now, like I am I work, I, I work a regular job, you know, I'm a daycare center director mm-hmm. and I, I do that full time as well as gig and compete and do all of these things. Now, <clears throat> I started I started with a love of music when I was young. So my family, um, the right family singers are like a gospel group, a very well-known gospel group in the Cleveland Northeast area in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, my grandmother, has she 
amazing. She's truly amazing. And she had the opportunity to sing opera. They wanted her to be like um, Marian Anderson, basically. And someone heard her. They're like, well, you need to come to New York, but you have to leave your family behind. Now, mind you, at that point, my grandmother had seven kids. Mm. And she was like, they come with me or I don't do it. Right. So she didn't do it. But my grandmother to this day she's 86 and she can still sing like like it's nothing wow. you know she sounds like a true negro spiritual like <laughs> every time <laughs> i hear her a walking negro spiritual she really is she really really is she's amazing and so um i grew up with that legacy right like i grew up with all of my aunts being able to sing and i grew up with my dad being able to sing, loving classical music, wanting to study classical music, but his father telling him he couldn't because men needed to be able to provide. Mm. You know? So he went and got his degree in business in English. Mm. And it's not like what his love and passion was. He wanted to, my dad's a baritone and he wanted to, to sing. And so um, when I was four, like I said, he told me, you know, you're going to be an opera singer because I loved music. It was something that I just loved. And classical music was introduced to me at a very young age. My mom could not sing to save her <laughs> life. <laughs> but she, you know, she invested in me. She believed in me. And so they gave, they afforded me opportunities that a lot of us don't get, right? Like, but it took sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice is not available. Some parents just can't do that sacrifice, right? Like my mom took from her retirement fund to send me to a summer program in Italy, hmm. you know? And it's like $7,000 with a scholarship. Hmm. And, but that like, those pay to sings are what you're expected to do in college and like kind of like right after college. Um, because you're not, you have to pay to sing a role mm. and pay for that experience. Now, a lot of the people who go there have that opportunity because their parents can do that. Not, there was, there's not a lot of that opportunity for us. We don't have it. And so, um, I'm digressing, sorry. <laughs> so basically, um, you know, my parents invested in me. I went to Oakwood. I studied music there. I studied classical music. I initially thought that I was going to be um, in musical theater and be like on Broadway and all that kind of stuff because it seemed more accessible, right? Mm. And my voice, my voice and my God said no, okay? <laughs> um, I can't, I, I just can't sustain that way. I have to have I have to cover I need to be able to move effortlessly in between my passagios and I can't belt like straight up just belting high and I can't do it. My voice will crack in a second. Mm. And so, um, you know, Latoya Lane, who was my teacher at the time. Do y'all remember Latoya Lane? Uh -uh. She was there my freshman and sophomore year. Um, she told me like, I, cause I remember just being in her office, just being kind of devastated. Cause I wasn't sounding as good as like some of the other people, mind you, I was a freshman. I sounded terrible guys. I need you to know that. Okay. Get out of here. I've heard you sing, Lauren. What are you talking now, about? You've heard me sing now. Uh, now. Okay. When I started, oh, I was terrible. I was awful. Okay. Yeah. And 
I remember just being so sad because even my friends like Ruthie, you know, they were like, they were lighter and higher sopranos. And so they could do it. And at that time I was a mezzo and I was struggling to sing like a treble C and, you know, Latoya Lane was like, you have um, a slow cooker voice. There is, there's different types of voices. There's micro microwave voices that, you know, are ready as soon as you like just warm them up a little bit. Then there are like, stovetop voices that take a little bit more time and simmer, but you know, they, they'll get there probably before you. You're going to take a long time. She's like, you'll probably get there around in your 30s, mm-hmm. 30s, 40s. And I was just like, who has time for that? What am I supposed to do until then? Like, mm-hmm. you know? And when you're 18, 30, 34 sounds so, scary so far away, <laughs> right? And here I am, 34, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, she's right. She, I got was it. she right? I was going to say, was she right? She's right. I got it. But, um, you know, things happen along the way. I had a child and my voice changed and I went from being a dramatic mezzo to a dramatic soprano. Mm. Which Really? So your voice went up after the baby? My voice went up after the baby because I knew I was just about to be a contralto. I was like, I'm about to do <laughs> all of these contralto roles. No, mm-mm. you're going to soprano where it's even more competitive and more white and they want more of a certain sound and a certain look and so you know it just it makes it it makes it difficult but um it's really it's good it's the journey is what is so good and being able to um make those connections along the way so then i went to georgia state for my masters um that's you know i was in atlanta singing with the Atlanta Opera. I did their young artist program. Then I, you know, went to different houses. I went to Sarasota Opera, worked with them, Union Avenue Opera, um, Cleveland Opera Theater. And so my first soprano role was actually in Porgy and Bess. What? I did Serena. Oh. And um, <clears throat> anybody who knows me knows I have mixed feelings about uh, Porgy and Bess. Really? Oh, okay. We're gonna I'll get spill, there. I'll spill the tea. Oh, I mean, we gotta get. We gotta see who Ezra is first. I'm gonna. I'm okay, gonna. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. We gotta come back to that. <laughs> Ezra, tell us a little bit about your journey. How you were introduced to classical music too, and then we need to get back into all this juice. Yeah, there is a ton of it, by the or way. Tea. <laughs> there was a lot of tea. Uh, so I started young too. Like my mom had a similar prayer or thought, Lauren as your dad did. She wanted me to play as accompanist for my dad. So my dad's a Adventist as well. You know, he's first generation, my mom's second. And I'm zero. I went 90, no, don't, <laughs> <laughs> That's a different conversation. I'm, I'm a zero old. generation Adventist. <laughs> but anyway, um, she wanted me to play for him because he sings a lot. You know, he's still singing. Someone sent me a picture of him at uh, Forest Lake Church last night singing. Um, so she wanted me to play for him. And her prayer was quickly answered because I came home from church and I started playing the melody from the hymn. Um, well, of course, one finger. I'm like knocking out the notes on the piano. But they put me in lessons and I got good fast. And I was playing for him a lot of different places and did so for many years. But at some point, I think it was fifth grade, I went to the Bach Festival in Orlando. Um, I'm from Orlando. 
and uh, they have they have one every year there. And I saw students like but people my age playing. They're white, obviously, but I saw them playing violins, and I think it was only violins in that ensemble. And I looked at my mom, and I was like, I need to play that. Mm-hmm. Whatever that thing is, I need that. <laughs> you know, now, I don't know that I was a spoiled kid, probably was, but at the end of the day, I was driven internally. Every, every Black kid has a passion that pushes them hard and um, this one was mine. I saw something that I was like, what the heck is that? And my curiosity is where the passion was, the passion was fueling the curiosity. In fact, it was vice versa. So we got a rental instrument and I started playing, you know, in the orchestra at my school. And then I switched from violin to viola because I thought the violin sounded terrible. And um, our orchestra director, who, but by the way, Stephen, well, I'm at Stephen's house right now. Uh, he played in the orchestra with me uh, in high school, mm-hmm. right? And it was a bunch of bad, I wanted to use the N-word. It was a bunch of bad, <laughs> a bunch of bad niggas in there. Okay. Hafiz, me, Steven, Ian, Ian Nugent back in them days was a Rastafarian, minus the, the weed smoke. He was proud. He, when he had nothing to teach, had to say, we was into the cut up and do what we wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is with, with that is our teacher was a small white woman. So she cried at every juncture. I mean, literally anything and everything we did or said, come to class late, pants too low, pants too high, it didn't matter what it was, mm-hmm. um, talking, whatever. She thought of us as more of a distraction than an investment. And that's typical when you get our people around, not our people, because we scare them so uh when I got to college I was terrible I was like you Lauren I could not I was I sucked and I went to Andrew University which is another like Adventist institution of higher education but it's not an HBCU so when I got there you know I had a, a Hispanic teacher he's dope but he was like listen man you you need to switch majors you you can sing you can make money with playing you can make money singing or playing piano, but you cannot make money playing your viola. And of course, I don't really care what people say. So I was like, yes, sir. I smiled at him or whatever. And I went and practiced four hours, five hours, six hours a day for what did it take me, seven or eight years to get up undergrad. And by the end of my undergrad, I was, I had auditioned for a local orchestra um, and won the job in the section. Southwest Michigan Orchestra. It's in, it's in, it's, all, it's by the lake. And by the time I had gotten through most of my master's degree, I was paying my rent, playing in like five orchestras. Mm, okay. the, so anyway, I got married. Unfortunately, oh, excuse me, I got married, <laughs> and we moved to Florida. <laughs> and uh, I started interning because I was trying to figure out how to make money doing this, right? Because yeah, I didn't want to leave what I loved and I thought I could make money doing it. I, why should we? We should make money in our field. So I interned with St. Pete Opera for, for, for a long time, um, three years, four years. And um, I interned with Opera Tampa for a long time. And 
you know, I didn't get paid really at any of these, which is part of why my marriage fell apart. It was like, this man is just lazy or he's out with another woman. I was out trying to figure out what it took to succeed. How do you win a job in an opera pit? How do you play in an opera pit? If you're conducting, how do you conduct a rehearsal? How do you conduct a performance? What's the balance look like? What does the budget look like rather? How much does it cost to pay an orchestra? How much does it cost when you have to bring in uh, lighting designers and set designers? It was a whole world for me, right? And uh, by the way, Sarasota Lauren is huge. I know, of course you know this. You guys should know this, Amber and, and Jonathan. Sarasota is a, a thing down there. Yeah, it's a bomb house. That joint right there, boy. I don't know if ever guessed Sarasota, Florida. That just wouldn't be on my map at all. I know it, there, it's it's unassuming, but like that company is ridiculous. And what I loved about it when I was working there is that I want to say of the five different operas, four of them the leading characters were black singers. Whoa, that's different. Opera. It was like just opera. Oh, you're good enough to sing? Yeah, we'll hire you. I love that it. That's different because usually it's what do you look like first? Right. right. It's like, well, we have a role, like you met you mentioned Chojo San um, from Puccini's uh, Madame Butterfly. I heard people who do the hiring say, well, the, the person's too big. She, she's too big. Or yeah, size, uh, size is massive. Size is big, but color is not there. Okay. I'll say. Color is what? Color is not as big of an issue there. At Sarasota. Sarasota. Yeah. Which Sarasota is new. Issue in opera, period. Yeah, well, color is an like issue. Because you're saying they want more smaller people mm -hmm. or they want bigger people? Like what no, they want, they want smaller people because they feel like it's not believable that anybody could love a larger woman. Mm. Mm. No. Okay, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna or curvy or, you know, so. they obviously don't know anybody Carmen or you know, something like that, right? As a soprano, let me say that as a soprano, as a soprano, they don't want that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mezzo, when I was mezzo, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as hard because I was, you know, playing the witches, the bitches, and the whores. Mm -hmm. so, speaking of which, and I know we got to finish Ezra's story, but I do want you to. Talk a little bit about because you've used some terms like pistachio and like pistachio. Yeah, you better speak, Jonathan, about that pistachio. Pistachio, pistachio. Sometimes you said pistachio. I was like, she said pistachio. Pistachio, pistachio. Yeah, I like my pistachio. You was like mezzo, pistachio, contraltos. Okay, so pistachio is the different registers. So. It's like um, the part of your voice that moves from like your chest voice to your head voice, okay? Mm -hmm. And usually there's three different registers for women. So chest to mix, mix to, to head. And then um, the <laughs> mezzo-soprano is basically half soprano. So there's soprano, mezzo-soprano, and then contralto is the lowest female voice. Okay. And then um, what was the other one you asked me? Was that it? think from what I can remember yeah yeah what you I think those were the ones you said yeah. okay okay cool so yeah that's just breaking it down for because you see y'all talked about how this is a language and so we yeah. like on the 
pre-K level. Sorry, sorry. I don't know that it's accurate to call it just a language. It's a ecosystem. It's like a little universe, but it's representative of the one that we already know. It's not like any different than, you know, working in rap. Like you, you have your different jobs inside to make the music you got the producer you got the rapper you got there's a lot of different moving parts and each one has their proprietary language that they use to speak to each other there's no different in classical music you know what i'm saying this is not their music mm. mm -hmm. we financed it anyway mm. but if you remember we were enslaved for quite a long time and during that time that our people, people that look like us, were put to work because we looked the way we did. We were helping people like Beethoven and people who financed Beethoven and Mozart pay Beethoven and Mozart. This is blood money that's caused art to come out of it. And I think if we try to disconnect ourselves from anything in this world, we've made an error. You said a lot there. And so can you can you tell us where you are now in your classical journey and then begin to get more specifically into the experience as a black musician in particular and what that means for you today? Well, okay. I teach orchestra at the AUC. So Clark Morehouse and Spellman all have students that they send to an orchestra, to one orchestra. And I teach the students the rep that they would need in order to maybe win a job one day. So um, I think the issue with winning a job in classical music is our people don't believe in it and for good reason. And we haven't made a good parallel to what needs to be done to rectify that. We haven't, we haven't made that. That's what I'm doing here. I, you know, I'm trying to figure out by implementing like connections between people's disciplines. So for example, Spellman has 10 students enrolled in the orchestra, right? And these students are not all music majors, because remember, the culture at our schools isn't about getting in to classical music, because there's a huge invisible door there. Mm. So a lot of these students are like English majors or chemistry majors. We have three chemistry majors or and this is just Spellman, right? So my job is to say, how do I figure out a way as you're learning your instrument to connect to what you are learning in school. Like if you're an English major, why don't you help us write grants and give you a chance to practice your creative life. So my, my, my thing is finding a way for the orchestra to be a laboratory for, for practice in your field, right? And if we can accomplish that in the time that I'm here, I think we make it more legitimate to, to learn an instrument because it, you, you'll be surprised how many times you go to an orchestra concert and not only on the stage are there people who have degrees in chemistry or in uh, the medical arts or in law, but a lot of the people in the audience 
also are lawyers or doctors or you know what I'm saying people who have really spent time in a certain discipline you know what I'm saying so I think that's why I'm in Atlanta I know that's why I'm in Atlanta I know that's why God brought me here is because he knows he knows my struggle is pertinent to a lot of black people it's like being told I'm not good enough to learn an instrument like bro what I had a teacher tell me in Miami you'll never play in the New York Symphony Bro, I just walked in your office. <laughs> Dang. We, we hadn't even started, we ain't really started talking about if I wanted to play in New York. Like, like this is the mindset of, of the people that are around us. They don't mean any harm. I don't think white people really mean any harm. A lot. Huh? Like they like, they call it like the weeding out process, you know, and it's just like, let me see if you can handle you know, this or handle how terrible people can be to you and everything. It's just like, you don't have to start with that. <laughs> what wow. is that Wait. it's not necessary <laughs> the weeding out process already happened right people pick what they are in love with right and if you focus their love in the cultivation of the technique if the pedagogical approach helps their love grow their technique they win right there are some people that don't want to do music don't it's okay yeah. you already them out john pedagogical you got that right yeah. <laughs> well, she playing you now, bro. You Stop. see how Lauren be playing me, bro. You see how Lauren be playing me, bro. <laughs> but yo, so it's so interesting because you all are talking about, you know, um, these kind of your your introduction into um into the world. What I also think, and of course the 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 you know the racialized issues in terms of you know how you've had to overcome, um, you know, so-called mentors and directors and people mm -hmm. telling you you can't do it and you're pushing through. Um, what is it like for you when you tell people that you're opera singers or you're classical musician, um, musicians or conductors? And when you, so we talked about kind of what you get from white folks, but what about black people? Like when they see you and they know you're a musician, and they're expecting you, Lauren, you know, for you to say you're a singer. And they're like, oh, you know, you sing R&B, you sing soul, you sing gospel. And then you're like, nah, and you pull up you in the in the, in the the costume with the horns. And they like, <laughs> black people don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, what was that like even growing up? You know, Ezra, you playing the viola and people are expecting you as a black male to play basketball or to playing, you know, the saxophone or to play the piano. I will dunk on you. Let me just say that right now. <laughs> I will dunk on everybody. No, no, don't, don't, please don't tell me. Yo, I can dunk on you and I could and I could read a mezzo soprano pistachio. Like, I don't even care. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what was that like, I guess, navigating Blackness and yeah. the artists that you all are? Um, <clears throat> I think a lot like what you said, John, like when I say I'm a singer, people automatically go to what we consider black music, right? So, um, R&B, soul, gospel, and it's just like, no, I actually can't sing any of that really well. I'm terrible with that. You don't want to hear me sing that. Um, I sing, I sing opera and it's initially like a, like we sing that or it's a, I've never really met an opera singer mm. or then it's like oh so you're like and then they just kind of go by people like 
that they've seen on, you know, America's Got Talent or something like that, that a child that went up there and sang an opera aria that they shouldn't have. Mm, mm, mm. But, you know, so they're like, oh, so you're like Charlotte Church or, <laughs> you know, like, uh, no, no, nah, no. Nah. I went to school for it, you know, and I, I have to break it down. Like, I went to school for this. Right. Not something that I just, you know, I had the raw talent for it and I had the passion for it, but I paid my dues for that. It's not something that just, you know, is a haphazard thing. I meticulously planned my life around a practice room. Hmm. And it's eventually when it's that respect you see, because then they're like, oh, sister, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that is such great representation. We don't see that a lot or, you know, so eventually it becomes like an admiration thing, but yeah, at first it's like a, a opera and it's like, oh, can you come sing at my church? And I'm just like, oh, you got a check. Right. 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 I don't sing for chicken dinners. Mm. Ooh. That should be one of the one I of, don't sing for chicken dinner. <laughs> and that's that's the assumption. And you know, it's just that first of all, no musician should sing for a chicken dinner mm. to play for a chicken dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. It's not about being an instrumentalist or a singer. I'm a musician. Mm. In the profession, treat me as such. Right. Period. Whether I've gone to school for it or not, you want me to come and do something for you, then I expect the correct amount of compensation. That's right. Mm-hmm. And if if that's not something you can handle, then clearly you and I are not on the same level as what we need to be. And that's that's perfectly fine. But this is my profession, and so this is what I need to do. Mm. And I think once that is laid out from the beginning, it's it's more understood. Yeah. I'm, it's not a it's not something that I just do for fun. You don't ask an architect to draw up a building right in front of you. Surgeon mm. to to cut your heart open. That is such a good analogy. Nobody would expect an architect to be like, yeah, can you do me a blueprint real quick? Just like draw a little something up. That's no. very true. You're not gonna do that. You're not going to do that. So why not have the same respect for musicians? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You good? Oh, no, I was actually going to say, I just thought about the question is, you navigated the Black classical space in a predominantly white institution. Lauren, you navigated the Black classical space in a predominantly Black institution. What, What were those experiences like and how were they similar to each other? And maybe how how are they different? Well, hold on, let me get this one, Lauren, because there needs to be a separation here. Instrumental music uh, is so separate from vocal. Got you, okay. It's very, it's, yeah, it's very rare that you see a dude like me who goes across the aisle and wants to you know, learn what the vocalists are doing or someone coming across from the vocal department trying to see what we're doing. And because of that huge disparity, most usually at our HBCUs, the vocal programs are the preeminent programs, mm-hmm. followed distant second mm-hmm. by the bands. Mm-hmm. And then non-existent, the orchestra. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Had a had a, a running consistent. Yeah, think about it. No. They had piano. Piano was was big because you know Wayne Buckner was there. Right. He's amazing and obese. I do think that Fred is attempting to build more of um you know of like an instrumental program there. I'm really disconnected from Oakwood now. Like I don't even I couldn't even tell you who was there. But like when I was there, vocalists were the top, right? And that was the main thing. And what was great about it was it was small and it was black. My teachers were black, so they could tell me what I could what I'd be getting into when I get out there. And I heard black singers. Like I went to school and practiced with Brandy. And she's out here killing the game. Christine would practice in a practice room next to me and I would I would leave. Mm. <laughs> yes, that is my Speaking daughter's Christine, book. Christine Jackson. book called Lily's First Trip to the Opera, trying to increase the representation of Black people in opera. And so she wrote this book so that little Black girls and little Black boys and little Black non-gendered um, children can see themselves and know that Black, that opera is a place for them. So shout out to Christine Jobson. Yes. Also the founder of Dr. Black Dr. Dr. Christine Jobson. Dr. Dr. Christine Dr. Absolutely. That's my daughter's favorite book. We read it every single night. Every and get your I, copy folks go to amazon oh get it i took i read it to um I bought a copy and read it it's at my center and we read it nice. they loved it you know what i'm saying and then they watched videos of of opera singers and now they run around the playground and sing opera it's, it's just about making it relevant mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you know, I, I I went to school with like Christine and with Brandy and all these all these amazing singers. And um what was amazing what was great about that is that they were my friends mm -hmm. and you know, my comrades. And so I could learn from them. I could go in there and ask them, like, hey, okay, I can't I can't sing this. How do I, you know, help me? And and we had that kind of bond. I traveled, I toured, went all over the world with them. And that was really great. And to also have black teachers pour into you is also nice. So when I went and got my master's at Georgia State, it was like, this is completely different. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Jared was there with me. Yay, shout out to Jared, our home he was on the he was on the episode last season. Shout out to him. <laughs> Jared was there with me. Xavier was there with me. So I had I had my people from Oakwood, three people there, you know, and then I had I always find the black people. I always find them in any situation. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I got to know them and they're still some of my closest friends today. However, there was none faculty, not a one mm. that was black in the voice department, mm. Mm. not a one. And or so, in the train department, it's, it's, I went to Georgia State for a little bit to try and finish my master's, there's no one there. Yeah. What yeah. you said in the what department, which other one? I went to Georgia State for three semesters and oh. there are black teachers in the 
orchestral department. Yeah, none, none. You have Doc, is Dr. Green still there? I don't recognize that name. Nathan Green, he's in uh, musicology. And then Dr. Marva Carter. Green is still there. there. Oh, okay. And, and Marva Carter, who's in ethnomusicology. That's it. So I, I can assume that in addition to wanting to see more Black professors out there and wanting um, more opportunities, what do you want to see in the classical music space as Black artists? Well, I, I think it's, I, I want to go back to the identity thing, though, mm, because okay. I, what we want to see is only visible by finding our identity, right? Because it's not out there right now. We have to create it by knowing who we are. And I think there needs to be more music by Black composers being performed. That's number one. Mm -hmm. That brings me to Porgy and Bess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, That's a doozy. But the, I'm speaking majorly on the, the instrumental side right now, the symphonics. Mm -hmm. And maybe this fair just for the educated listeners, if they're curious about this, there is a big difference between band and orchestra, right? Mm -hmm. The band is usually symphonic band, which is like a bunch of brass, woodwinds, percussion, maybe you have, you know, but a symphonic band and all that stuff, they don't usually have strings. That's what makes the orchestra different. You have violins, violas, cellos, double basses. Mm -hmm. And when you had, because those instruments are super quiet, right? Like if you put one trumpet against one violin, you ain't gonna hear the violin. Mm -hmm. So if you have two trumpets, like most standard symphonic orchestras do, or orchestra do, you need, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Minimum. Or you ain't gonna hear the strings at all. And if you don't hear the strings, you lose the color. If you lose the color, you lose the texture and you can't build anything for the brain to remember later. Mm -hmm. But symphonically, it's much, much different. And with the demands on the orchestral players are far different idiomatically, right? Because the instruments are different. You mentioned earlier, Lauren, how your teacher wisely said you have a slow baked voice. Well, that's just so practical. Your body changes. <laughs> and your body is an instrument. Uh, it's pronounced with the voice. It's implied with playing an instrument. With an instrument, our bodies change too. You know, I'm 6'6 six, six now, but when I started playing, I was much smaller. So my instrument was smaller. So the increments between each of the intervals was also smaller, you know what I'm saying? So I had to relearn every year and my body's ability to control the digits on my left hand, that changes. My body's understanding of my right hand, it changes over time as your body changes. It's a deep field and it's, it's worthy of the study that comes with it. It just, there is no identity if we're not exploring the black composer and the black composer is not strongly connected to the black community. Mm. Like they gotta be in there doing something with black folk. You gotta see what black folk are feeling. You have to listen to what they're hearing in the region they listen to. Then you have to build that picture for the orchestra to represent. So these people can feel validated, so that we can feel loved and so we can feel seen. Mm. And when we're seen through the music and through the music that can be done with the orchestra, 
it helps us redefine the identity that was stolen from us, right? What, what they did to me in college, I'm not the only one, by the way, and I, I, it may sound like I'm complaining, but it's just a reality. What happened to me in my undergrad and graduate programs is happening to a lot of Black people now, and it's been happening in this country since the formation of it, where they don't, they tell you, we're going to tell you who you are. We're going to take away your last name. I'm not a Hogabrooks. Mm -hmm. how, how could I be a Hogabrooks? They took away everything from us. So the way to find what, it, what was taken and burned or thrown in the water is to find it ourselves. We look at each other. We appreciate who each person is. Not everyone's gonna be a classical musician, but if we appreciate them, we appreciate that black person, if we look at their identity, it could help us find our lost identity. And music is a great place to do this. When you were saying symphonic music versus band music, so <clears throat> for example, like William Grant Still, he's considered mm -hmm. band. Mm -hmm. No, he's symphonic. We're doing one of his symphonies this year. This year. But no, you hear his music more band. You said you hear it more in band? Yeah, like I hear more of his, I've heard, well, what I've heard from him outside of what I have looked up on my own has been like in a band type of setting, right? As oh, opposed to like an orchestral setting. But he has, he did a complete oratorio. And he's mm -hmm. like an early black. Composer was he, William Grant? Prolific yeah. composer. There's a bunch of them from that time period. I think he's late uh, or early part of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. But no, he does write symphonically and it's good stuff. It's really good. But it's kind of like the Porgy and Best thing. So, you know, the, yeah, can y'all say what, what this Porgy and Best thing is? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, but hold on. Symphonies will program just like opera companies do, Lauren. They'll they'll pick popular black composers and do them in like February. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna. Can you do Porgy? Um. So, but that's that's not my qualm with Porgy. Let me start off with saying this. I I love the music of Porgy and Bess. I think it is beautiful and it's challenging and performing Serena was one of the hardest most difficult roles I have ever done and I have so much respect for her however I struggle with a, a white man explaining what a black narrative is telling me what catfish row or you know the gullah people or whatever who they are through a white eye mm -hmm. and black trauma mm -hmm. and that's the black opera right not by black people it's for black people to perform because that is written it is only supposed to be performed by black people right you have to get permission from the gershwin foundation in order to perform it without it being an all black cast you're muted 
that's because I'm I'm running narrative. I don't want you to hear all the things I'm saying, but it's weird. Mm-hmm. Come on, man, white man, tell us how we look, how the gullah people are. I don't even know how gullah people are. You, you gonna tell me how they look, how they function, how they talk, their trauma? You can you're sensitive to that. No, nah, dog. Because you spent time there, like it just it 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 doesn't set well with me. But it also doesn't set well with me that that's the black opera. There's Tremonisha, right? Yes. Who, like, why yeah. isn't Tremonisha ever performed? That's so real. Why isn't it ever performed? Because it's that about a black is good. woman. The music is amazing. It's yeah. about a black woman who is teaching like uneducated black people. I, it's, it's the narrative. You don't want the black hero. Mm. Porgy is the poorest of the poor from Catfish Row. You know, he is physically challenged. And at the end, Sorry if nobody's seen Porgy and Bess. I'm about to spoiler alert. She leaves. She goes back to the crack and she leaves with the drug dealer. Like, what the fuck is that? Mm, that's the that's the whole story of Porgy and Bess, basically. I mean, in a nutshell, there's a whole lot. More. <laughs> there's a whole lot more. I've seen Porgy. You know, there was so much going on. I can't say that. In a nutshell, it's black trauma (laughs) being perpetuated on the opera stage to say that they are Mm. giving opportunity to black singers. Give me an opportunity to sing Violetta. Give a black singer an opportunity to sing something that's just not black. Or if it is black, for example, the Met, they're doing Fire Shut Up In My Bones, which is by Terrence Blanchard, a black composer. Of course, do that, yeah. Mm. have have us in different places have us in the boardroom have Mm. us in the admin positions like don't just have us that that's another minstrel show Mm. Mm. shucking and jiving for some beautiful music and it's just i i'm not saying don't do porgy and bess i'm saying just don't just do porgy and bess don't just just do it Wow. You know, like, I think that's important. Do more. Do more. We we can do so much more. Mm. How you can sing I, if you can sing best, you can sing, you know, Violetta, you can sing um Leonora, like you can sing these roles. Do you feel conflicted be having been in that um yeah. opera? And no, because even for me, just like with a cursory reading about Porgy and Bess, because I remember when when it's like I remember reading about it a while ago, and then when Christine played it, and I was like, oh, I gotta look this up because it's my friend in it. So let me read about it. And so I was reading more about it. And you know, because I'm reading from white authors more than likely, they're like, Oh, you know, this was an opportunity. Gershwin, he actually gave opportunity to these black people, and so only black people can perform this. And so, in my like, in my like very naive understanding of the whole thing, I'm like, Well, I guess this was great, right? I guess you know at that time you know there wasn't enough opera you know black opera singers they weren't getting enough exposure so this was good not having read the narrative at all or having connected those dots thinking like 
oh, Gershman, you're just a white dude who's written this yourself. Like, I'm not even thinking about that. I was just thinking about the opportunity piece. But now that you brought that up, it's just like, wow, this is really problematic having a white person just kind of do this little peek yeah. into, you know, the black world and try to write a story about us. Not in now hearing it, it's just like, wow, that's problematic. So I just feel like, do you feel, you said you felt conflict doing that. Do you also feel conflict in the same with you, Ezra, I guess, one of you all said that Gershwin would be rolling his grave or somebody or no Wagner Wagner if you knew that black people so were, were performing black people Jewish people anybody yep. that was not pure Aryan he oh okay very much like he would very much talk about how and people get it conflicted because they think oh yeah Wagner wrote for the Nazis no Wagner was dead okay they the Nazis played Wagner in the concentration camps what mm. they forced the Jewish instrumentalists who were extremely, extremely talented and before, you know, the ghettos and before Hitler and everything were a part of symphonies, he would force them in the concentration camps to play Wagner as they would march to like get gassed or anything like that. So Wagner himself is not a part of like the Nazi regime or anything like that. So please everyone stop saying that. However, Wagner did not really like anybody else other than, you know, his his people. That was kind of his thing. Like he didn't think that anybody could compose as good as as German composers. He felt that Verdi was was too sweet. He wasn't as good. Wagner is a specific taste and um, not only does it take a specific type of singer, but it also takes a specific player. It takes a specific listener because it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, Hitler used Hitler based a lot of his ideology off of yeah. Wagner's own racist nationalistic ideology. But that makes you think a lot about what that did to the culture of orchestras because they have not addressed their diversity issue. Uh, for years, I thought it was said that Vienna Symphony didn't even hire women, let alone anyone not a white male. It, this is a problem that they have not addressed. And listen, they have no reason to address it. It's worked for them, right? It doesn't work for us. Right. And, uh, and we're Americans too. And we're, we have, we can do what we want. And I think that's how we have to start thinking. It's like, all right, fine. This music has been kind of stolen and the identity of those who play it has been stolen. Fine, but whatever. We can make our own stuff. But I think we have to understand how they got there and be aware of why they have the issues they're having, right? So that we can do it just as well. I think the reason I, I went to school for so long isn't wasn't really to get into a bunch of debt. <laughs> <laughs> it was really because I, I want to be so good at what I do that I can I can help my people. Like I can help myself and I can help my people. That's big. You know what I'm saying? I should be able to eat with what I've created with my hands and my intellectual property. Right? I should be able to survive off that's of that. The goal. That's that's the plan. But you, there's no way to get there if we don't understand that they've commandeered something that isn't for them alone. It, it anybody can cook, as was said in Ratatouille. Anyone can make music. <laughs> <laughs> and 
It, I mean, I got I got students right now who are beginners. Okay, so what? Take have an applied lesson teacher. Someone needs to teach you your instrument personally for an hour a week, give you some assignments, you practice three, four hours a day, you come back to that lesson. Applied teacher, number one. Number two, come to orchestra. You'll get to play rep, not only in a chamber setting that's small, but in a larger one as well. So that when they get done, they can they can make music. They can do it at a high level and make a living on it. I, I just, for me, like, uh, in the failures of this country to see the asset that Black people really are, that's something that we must take control of now. We need to stop trying to ask them like, thank you, Martin Luther King, and thank you, MLK, and every single Black man or woman that's ever asked for fair treatment. I think it's time to stop like saying it out loud and going and getting it. It's time to go get it. And I think the way to get it is we use the education system. We tell each other there's value in what you can produce, Black boy, Black girl, Black gender neutral. You can create something that you can sell. And if you work hard enough at cultivating that ability, it will be sold and you'll, you'll be okay. You'll, you'll be able to survive. You have options. Black people need options. And classical music and the approach to playing it isn't a white person's option. It's a human option. Mm. And we're humans. We're not cattle. Option. It's a human opportunity. Mm, exactly. It's just a basic human opportunity. But I will say this between, I think there is a difference between um, instrumental music and singing, because if you don't have the singing, if you can't sing, if you can't hold a note, like after a while, there's not so much I can teach you. Mm. And I will point you towards Ezra and say, I think you should go take piano lessons or, you know, you can still make music. It just won't be with your voice. So you mean when I come through and I'm like, oh, John. <laughs> you know I love you, baby. You, have, you can hold a tune more than some people can. Oh, really? See? There might be hope. There's hope yet. Hope for my R&B dreams, man. I still There's hope yet. <laughs> but some people just, <clears throat> no, you can't. I'm sorry. And yeah, uh, I don't mean to. But real quick, Lauren, they may not be able to sing, but their passion for the vocal arts could put them in admin. It can put them, right, exactly. Mm. And so you can, or it can put them in composing. Composition, yep. You know, mm -hmm. Or on, on the soundboard, anything. It, you can do that. Sure. Just the performance. The performance is, is maybe not for you. And, and you know what, speaking of, speaking of performance, I want to ask you all, I guess kind of more of a lighter question, but what were some of your favorite, so like for Lauren, what was your favorite role that you ever played? And then your least favorite role, probably something important in this. <laughs> and then Ezra, same for you, like maybe what was your favorite you know, performance or composition or something that you've done? Um, and then maybe your, you know, your least favorite. That's, that's tough. There's a lot of different um, roles that I really enjoy or have enjoyed performing. Um, that's, that's, that's difficult. I can tell you I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed performing 
Marcellina from La Nozze di Figaro by Mozart, um, because that's so out of my realm of type of music that I sing. And I don't really like Mozart <laughs> much. Um, <laughs> you, don't like all the, you don't like the length of, of La Nozze and the, the melismas the that you have to get out of here and I already said like I told them when I performed I said I her aria needs to be cut because I'm oh I can't I I know my limits okay and I'm not gonna go out there and play myself I can't do all of that but I loved singing her because she was so funny that was my funny role and she was dramatic and and goofy and I got to do it with Xavier who was my husband or my love interest you know and like He's 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 like my pocket friend, you know, but he's short and it was fun. We got to like have a lot of fun with that. Um, and she challenged me because I had to learn how to, you know, not really blend, but in the sense of singing in a classical, when I say classical, I mean the time period because there's different periods in classical music. So Mozart is a classical composer from the classical period. I usually sing romantic period music, which is heavier orchestra, long lines, um, big, big singing, right? Um, and so Marcellina is, is not that, she's a little bit lighter. And so the challenge of her was fun for me. Um, my least favorite role, I don't know. Maybe um I don't know. Well maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I think I I've enjoyed a little bit of You've enjoyed it in some way. I, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it all. Mm -hmm. I was Serena, but she's not. I, I really liked singing Serena. And also because I got to sing it with my husband as my husband. He was Robbins. Oh, so that's right. That was fun, you know. Black died, but you know, that was fun. But um, yeah, no, I don't really think I have a least favorite one. Okay. That lets you know you're supposed to be doing this. Like, <laughs> yeah. answers that you were talking about earlier. That lets you, you don't, if in all these years, you don't have a least favorite role or a least favorite. That means this is what you this love. This is your passion for sure. Thank you. I think I'm going to answer like Tom Brady. My my next favorite is <laughs> it, it's my favorite because it's it's like you know performing in orchestra is like football. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not really different. You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff about creating new content doesn't change the fact that the content is created the same way. You feel me? Like you got to have notes on the page right, that can tell the musician in front of it, instrumental musician, what you're thinking. You know, it's like a playbook. You got to have it, you know what I'm saying? So you have your different parts of the orchestra, like you have your different parts of a football squad, you know what I'm saying? Like you have the offensive side of the ball in football, you have defensive side of the ball in football. In orchestra, you have different sides too, like you have the string side, you have um, the violins, which are very different than the violas and how they go about training and prepping for the same gig. You know, it's like football, you, get, you, have, you have a strength coach. You have, everyone has their little system to help them prepare for doing the same thing. I think that's really cool. So in my mind, I'm like Tom Brady, I'm like, what's next? 
that's my that's my next favorite because it's a chance to create something new with people uh, in a system we all love and are proficient in. You know, and that that for me is amazing. So similar to so this will be a similar question, um, but similar to what we did in the hip hop episode, John, you said no matter what, anytime you have a hip hop conversation, you have to say what are the top three MCs of all time, right? Uh, who are the goats? And so for you all. Who for you are your top three composers, artists, singers in classical music of all time, hands down? Well, no, John, you did top five. I guess y'all could do top five too. And we can try it, John, too, because, you know, I, I'm going to try. <laughs> but for y'all, top five, all time, think about it, name them out. <laughs> We're talking about top five performers, top five composers. Composers. Top five ensemble? Okay, composers. But see, that, that's another thing. I don't know enough about classical music to be able to say which piece of that. So I guess. No, there's a lot of different places. You have, you have a top five opera company, like Houston is so, one of my favorites. I guess the equivalent of the MC question would be the composer question. So if we said top five hip hop MC, well, not MCs, but like rappers, artists. Oh, then this would also be the top five, I guess, performers, performers, or let's say performers. Artists, I guess. artists in general. Mm -hmm. Art, yeah, I'm gonna do a mixture of of composers and and artists if that's cool. Yes, please. Whatever okay. actually makes sense for this particular question. Okay. So, um, you they need to be black or whoever, whoever your people are. Okay. So, um. You better put us on game because I'm not gonna know any of these people. <laughs> my my top top composer that I can listen to and I love to this very day is Verity. Verity. He is my favorite composer. He will destroy you. He is oh, great. She's so good. He's Especially so good, like his. The way he's, I can't even just like go. What's one oh, song you would recommend? What's one song you would recommend listeners um, listen to to get a taste of Verdi? The thing is, Verdi has three. This is why classical music is so much. Verdi has three composing eras, right? And so, okay. if I tell you one opera, that'll be from one era. And there's two other eras that sound completely different, but are still that still sound like Verity, right? I could tell you my favorite opera is I like Kanye. Oh, yeah. I like Kanye. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's a good connection. Kanye would yeah. be there. Like you got different sections, right? Like that's Kanye. Yeah. So Verity, my favorite opera by Verity is Il Trovatore. Il Trovatore. Okay, writing that down. Yes. Okay. And All it's. Right. I, I think that is almost like the epitome of like the the Verdi sound. Okay. So 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 good. Um, the aria you can listen to. I mean, there's so many you can listen okay. to. La Note. There's so many. Just listen. Just look up Il Trovatore. Okay. Okay. Um, the other four. My other four. I I love Wagner. Okay. Love him. I love to sing him. I love his music. And I love that um, he's hard. He's and it's a very specific singer, and I like that. I like that he's a niche. Um, and Ezra, I think that 
I think that you should somehow do an all black ride of the Valkyries. Girl, summer, let's try. I'm telling you. Let's try summer. And have you sung any sarsuela? There's singer. Second. Have you sung any sarsuela? No. See, that's another one. They they really covered up that one. So they did, a, and he that's some good stuff. It's, and it, by the way, it's a lot of black in it. That's probably why they don't talk mm -hmm. about it or perform it. It's the entire African diaspora that yeah. they like. They don't perform Los Chiavo by Gomez. Mm -mm. It's black Brazilian. Right. I'm wanting to hear some Gomez too. Cause that's what we saying. Like trying to play that, that Los Gomores, man. <laughs> and the Valkyries <laughs> and the Trinitarians. <laughs> um. And so now my artist, my top, my top artist. Um. Well, the one for me that just moves me to no end is her name is Eileen Farrell. Mm -hmm. She's just a beautiful soprano. Um, I also love, she rest in peace, Jessie Norman. Mm -hmm. She was the first opera singer I ever heard. That's the first person my parents ever played for me. That's the first opera CD I purchased on my own. Um, she was my goat. Like, and she's just, everything about her was was just, she was an inspiration for me. Um, and is that five? Or do nope, I you got one more. One more. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go, I mean, I love Leontine because she's Leontine, but I'm not going to go with Leontine because she's Leontine. I've ever goes with Leontine. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with, um, with Lawrence Brownlee. Okay. Who is living this day? He's a tenor, um, and I mean, we'll, we would never sing together because he does like Rossini and Bellini and like all these like really melismatic passages and everything like that. But he he's amazing. He is mind blowing. Every time I watch him, I went to one of his recitals in Toledo, Ohio, and just to watch him perform. I mean. He did Amaze Me, and it has, I think it's nine high C's in it. And it was just effortless for him. Mm. And that's black excellence, y'all. Living black excellence. Mm. Like Lawrence Brownlee. Gonna Lawrence look Brownlee. Look him up. He lives in Atlanta. Okay. Wow. So does Morris Robinson, who is a beast. Mm. I mean, just a beast. There's Kevin Short. He's in DC. He's ridiculous. He's also teaching that. I think it's Curtis, Eric Owens. I mean, these are black men mm -hmm. in opera who are killing the game. Mm -hmm. I feel like black men don't get enough love in opera. Okay. They really don't. And they're, they're great, y'all. Look them up. Look them up. And hire them. Yes. Okay, got it. Ezra, top five. Let's go. <laughs> all right paul robeson mm. to performers because this man he is he is people think of him as oh he's the goat he is every black man and woman if they're given space and time and life he is everybody paul robeson my top number one for real 
I think the other four, I'll put a mixture of symphonic um, composers and I'll leave out opera since you just did that, uh, Lauren. No, I want to hear your, I want to hear your opera. Okay. Um, and then what should we call it? I'm going to also say like performers too, beside Paul, beside Paul Robeson. So I, uh, Mahler. Oh my God, I forgot about Mahler. Yeah. So Mahler is literally, I get tears think about this man, bro. Mm -hmm. Jewish composer, went through a lot of shit. And you can hear it in his music. And I suggest listening to the, what about the resurrection? Maybe just the first movement. You know, da dum Yo, this man. Anyway, so I'll do Mahler and then I'm gonna do Brahms because I have to. Um, you know, listen to his viola sonata. Well, it's the clarinet sonata first, but listen to either the first or second of the viola sonatas. It's it's spiritual music. Uh and then I gotta do two more. I'll I'll do Shostakovich. Who now? Shostakovich. I can't write that. I'm gonna let that start with. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking all the folk. You you notice, Lauren? I'm picking all the folk that went through shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was about to say you're picking like Germans and like those the people that we can um, relate to because they went through crap. Real bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mahler, I sang his Kindertoten Lieder for my master's recital. And I only sang it then because I knew once I had a child, I wouldn't be able to get through it. Mm. Like, it's Kindertoten Lieder literally yeah. translates yeah. to children. Yeah, to the children. what? Oh, children. Like, oh, yeah, I can And it, it's, his, it's his song cycle that he created for his, his daughters that died. Yo, and life. It was. It was. Yeah. What's it? Who does? What's the name? Kinder Tolton Lida. I'm gonna write it in the chat for you. Yeah. And what's the composer's name? I could, Mahler. Was, oh, that was Mahler. I thought you were saying it was the the next guy. You said the touch of um. Shostakovich. I'm about to write that for you too. Yeah. Put both of them in there. I would suggest from Shostakovich. Um, maybe. <laughs> I suggest the tenth uh, quartet for Shostakovich. Shostakovich, got it. Yeah. I would suggest one of the quartets of the symphony. He got a lot of dope stuff, but okay, who's my fifth? Let me do someone vocal. Who's devastated me? A lot of people. Oh, I gotta make this disclaimer real quick. Um, because of the amount of time that classical music which by the way, Lauren just gave us an education reminder. Classical music is not an appropriate way to understand what we do. There's so many different periods where the technique changes. Classical music has a specific technique. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, how Lil Baby rap. It's like, that's a, that's a technique or the, the, or the Migos. It has a period that it's specific to okay. that, that people love that. Like, you know, if, if you were in that period, you love it, and there's a certain way you do it in that period. Hmm. And that classical, there's a certain way you play it. Baroque, certain way you play it. Certain instrument you play on. Uh, romantic, certain instruments. Certain size of the orchestra. 20th century, different too. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's okay. Lil Baby yeah. versus 
uh, Jay-Z in his early days or uh, Raekwon or something. It's a huge difference. So then what, but, what would be the correct term? Yeah, what would we call it? It's more all-encompassing. <laughs> it's our music. It's instrumental music. You can call it instrumental music. You know what I'm saying? But classical music comes with a bunch of bad um, connotations that we just discussed, and it's just not a thorough enough term to discuss what we can do, you know. But I, I think I'm going to pick for my fifth favorite. I'm going to pick the, um, let's do Oh, that's too much, man. I don't even know. I love it all, bro. I don't even know what you want me to say. Uh, <laughs> oh God! I, and, and the thing is, with this music, is it's it's relevant for different periods in your own life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I've been going through things where I was doubting who I am, you know, do people perceive me as a black man? Are they gonna laugh at me because I I'm trying to do this? Are they gonna laugh at me on how I talk now? Cause I travel so much, my my accents all over the place. My how my mannerisms are all over the place now. Cause I've been around a lot of people and I start to emulate. That's that's natural. We emulate what we see. So uh, anyway, a lot of times I would heal with different composers or different artists. I'll give you an artist, two of them from my favorite. Nokuthu Neguyama, she was my old teacher. She's my she was my viola teacher for a bit. I love how she plays and Roberto Diaz. You know, she she's black, but Roberto Diaz is like Hispanic, but their tone, I would listen from Roberto Diaz. There's the um the vocal lease by um mm-hmm. um Lord. Oh, I can't remember how it goes. That's not that's not Gomez. I'm about to look it up because it's gonna drive me nuts. Sorry. But he did he did an arrangement of it for for viola and piano. Is it Rachmaninoff? Is it Rachmaninoff? I'm about to look it up. No, it's not. But anyway, that that record is so good and his playing. It is. Mm-hmm. Opus thirty-four. It's 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 originally for um singer, but there are transcriptions for other instruments because the music is so daggone beautiful. Mm-hmm. And this man's recording of it, Roberto Diaz, oh my Lord, it's so good, man. It just sounds, he makes the viola something we can be very proud of. So those are my five. Oh. Who are y'all five? I'm going to try to, <laughs> I'm going to try to come in there. Right, Amber, I'm looking at you. Hey, 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 a word of a word of advice for Jonathan and Amber here. Don't try to absorb these in one sitting. Mm. Listen to an aria or two, but if you try to listen from the beginning of Wagner to the end, you're going to fall asleep. Yeah. Unless you go to the okay. end. And I sing it. I still do. <laughs> I'm gonna go a different approach because I don't really know enough artists. And now I'm not even sure. Like, I just feel, again, like what I said in the beginning, I just feel like this is such a new area for me to think about. Like, I just, like, listening to you all talk, I'm like, I don't know any of this type of stuff. And it's just fascinating to me. So um, thank you all for sharing that because I do want to learn a little bit more and just ex- in, in just experience some of what you all have been experiencing for years um, in this, I guess I don't want to call it a classical space, 
I still feel like it's a space though, just like rap has all kinds of different rap. I just don't know what to call it, but like music feels a little too broad. I call it classical music, like it's the classical music station, everything. We're just saying there is a period in that classical music. But if we were to, if we were to try to like rename this episode or something from black people in classical music, is that still fitting or is it, should it be something else? I think it's time to start redefining. Yeah, I mean, you can you can say black people in symphonic music and opera, or yeah, yeah, yeah I think that would be probably the best. And so, black people in symphonic music, or black people in symphonic music and opera. Black people in symphonic music and opera. Mm-hmm. Okay, symphonic music is instrumental, and yeah. opera is, you know, voice and instrument. Mm-hmm. Okay. We gonna learn today, Street Academy. I'm telling you, this, this is a great topic because if you sit black kids in an opera, like I did Noah's Ark mm-hmm. with St. Pete Opera and all black kids, they love this because you, first of all, you're acting, so they're getting to watch the story. Um, then you're singing and or talking depends if it's a musical or an, or an opera. And then there's music and the music speaks too. So it's like, if you get black kids in these spaces, all of them will want to do it because either you can play bassoon or you can sing. There's something for us to do. And once you put an instrument in a black person's hand, the chances are very high they will get proficient. You know what I love to see, Ezra, is um, kids, listening to like Saint-Saëns Carnival um, Animal, you know, the animal mm-hmm. carnival, and then like them actually hearing it and saying like, oh, that does sound like a swan. Oh, like I'll play the, and they're like, oh, that's that's an elephant. And it's just like, they get it. They get the music, mm-hmm. they get the, the motif. Mm-hmm. Yes. So amazing at doing. And, you know, I, I just think, I think that's, that's something that, cause they're cutting music out of public schools. So it's like, you know what I'm fine with that. If if we have a little time, I want to speak about education. This is where they've put a rod up our collective butts here because education is necessary. It opens up a lot of doors, and I think the fact that they are drawing out critical race theory, they're drawing out financial support for uh, heavily populated black areas. This is an opportunity for us to step in. We need to teach our kids. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to, good. Okay, it's okay. Bye. Mm-hmm. We need to teach them. We need to take control of the pipeline from the beginning, before they get into school, mm-hmm. all the way until they're about to leave graduate school. And we should encourage. How, how do? How do we get in there? Upper starts. It starts in college. Because in college, you have everything you need, right? right? In college, you have students who want to teach young kids. Music education is big, and a lot of schools lose their accreditation if they don't have it. So it's important to have it. And then it's important to get an internship program where there's some sort of dynamic. I'm working on that now, where there's a dynamic with someone who has resources, grant resources or money, that can pay this kid and train them to teach in the school. Then you have a reoccurring network of teachers that are all black, hopefully, that's, what, that's the goal, because remember, we need to get them out of the space. 
just for now, just for about 600, 700 years until we clean out the crowd. Just to make it even, like how long we were out of the space. Yeah, they didn't let us do nothing. They told us we can't serve and made laws to make sure we couldn't. Okay, fine. But we need to take about 600 years to figure this out, get our teachers in our space, give them some training pre-career, and then give the children a chance to start hearing and seeing what their identity really is. Like, hey, this is our music. Hey, this is our history. Your parents or their parents, rather, were slaves or know some slaves. It was bad and it ain't changed. And this is why, boom, 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 boom. We need to give them every tool so that when they get to the age where they can start giving back, they know where to give back. Yeah. And how, by the way. Mm-hmm. But this is a heavy lift, man, because we have a lot of opposition against us. But if we take it, we can do it. And it's, and it's so interesting, you, you talking about that education piece, because I'm thinking about my top five, and I'm like, wow, I really don't know a whole lot of yeah. composers or Black composers around my top five. But I definitely, I like what you said, Ezra, when you said Paul Robeson, because I actually have listened to Paul Robeson's music and 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 I also love his interviews too. Like I I mean he was he yeah. definitely had a black nationalist mindset, you know, before it was as popular as it was with like, you know, Garvey and then on to like Malcolm and all of that. So I just loved his mindset. So Paul Robeson for sure will be in my top five in terms of like black opera symphonic work you know what i'm saying like that you know what i'm saying that you know that that genre collective of genres um william grant still i actually remember being introduced to him at oakwood taking musical music appreciation um <laughs> this may sound shout out to dr chambers yeah yeah shout out to dr chambers <laughs> no yeah most definitely um i would definitely put wayne buckner up there for sure like Wayne Buckner is it was just crazy um when it came to that to that style of music. Um I didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about it because I know we gotta wrap up, but my first kind of introduction to this music as well was Carmen. And so I know the hip hopper <laughs> with Beyonce, the hip hopper no, with no, Beyonce. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know Beyonce, the one with Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the one with Beyonce was good, because most Def was, was good. Like, I really like most Def's character. Most Def was good in that. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Clear it up. Most Def was good. Yeah, most Def was good in that. Um, so Carmen and, you know, I guess Dorothy Dandridge and um, who was the other dude? Um, Wasn't Harry Belafonte in there? Harry Belafonte, yeah. So that's not one person, but I guess that that was instrumental in me you know, appreciating this music. So I said Paul Robeson, William Grant Steele, um, Wayne Buckner, Carmen, right? Carmen, all of Carmen. And um, man, Lauren, Lauren Harris, man, she like, she called me like straight up, you know what I'm saying? Like, I be been listening to her for a minute, man. Like, copped a couple of them projects, man. It's insane <laughs> i had to get her big state real quick <laughs> right i'm saying y'all don't understand like this the next thing and like black opera man opera music so yeah <laughs> I love one of my first introductions to 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 um 
So classical music was the build your baby's brain uh, CD where yeah. they, they're like, if you play this while you're pregnant, your baby's going to be smart. So I was like in seventh, eighth grade trying to like make it work for myself. And so I would listen to it all the time. <laughs> Um, so I came to like the songs on there. So I can't even, I can say composers. I think I'm gonna go with songs and music because I just don't, I don't know enough. So one on that album, I think there was the, of course, of course, Furry Lease. I was like, I love that. And then one of my friends in middle school, she was learning the piano and she would play that little part all the time. And so I would feel like I was really doing something when I had that. And then I did it by, by just like ear and I'm like, okay, I got some stuff. So that felt good. So I still like Furry Lease for that very reason that I can play at least those two little notes and then kind of just a little bit more up there. Um, I also liked that dramatic song was it like Moonlight Sonata? Was it that one? I think it was. It's like, um, no, Serenade. Damn, damn it, I don't even remember. So take that one off the list. But anyway, another song that I do like is this one. This is opera. It was that like, that Lachme, I can't pronounce it. That one. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce like me, Domain, but that's on one of my playlists where it's just like, I just love listening to that song over and over and over again. Um, so what is that, two? That's just two, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, third, when I'm really like in my mood of needing to work, I've listened to the Nutcracker Suite. I really love that. Just from top to bottom, I just oh. like keep listening to it over and over again. I can't even name the songs. I just know the music. Um, oh, just, oh, let me give you one more then. Mendelssohn, Midsummer Night's Dream. Add that to your, when you're in that mood. I think that would be nice for you. Midsummer Night Dream. Okay. Yeah, and go ahead and- I love Tchaikovsky. I love him. That's this who that is, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> Exactly. Let's see. Um, you know what? I think I would listen to some other people, but in terms of actually knowing names, I don't, I just don't have enough names. I just know like little songs and I haven't, I haven't like built out my playlist. I'm a huge playlist person and I just add pieces to it. Um, can I add Jared to the list? He's a composer, but I think he just makes choral music, but is that, I'm going to put that in. Jared does, Jared does a lot of different kind of music. Yes, yeah, so Jared Roseboro, put him on the map, one of my favorites, because I actually know him personally, A. And then, so what is that? That's three people. And so my last favorite opera singer right now, Christine Jobson, that's my home ever, known her since 11th grade. Again, I'm gonna plug her book right there. <laughs> Y'all go cop that. And following suit, not because I be like, like you know copying people but because i believe it's the truth lauren harris out here in these streets um, hey. being an opera singer and whatnot as oh ezra do you feel disrespected i didn't add you to the list i'm gonna add ezra to the list as well as a violist as well y'all have, have really educated me so much i appreciate this conversation because it just shows me just just i love just seeing just I love when people love what they do and okay. you and it's like when you know your stuff so I'm like me and John could have just left this conversation just let y'all go because mm -hmm. we're over here like you don't know what y'all talking about just y'all be just it sounds so good though you know, oh, I, I was so, this is so interesting. 
And to me, I love seeing y'all talk about the music that just like touched your, your souls and knowing that it's music I've never listened to before or heard. And I love that because it just shows me again how big the world is. Like I love feeling small in the world. So it's just like, there's so much more to explore. Um, there's so much more to get excited about. There's so much to be more, more to be moved by. And that's that makes life more exciting to me. And I need those reminders about life more than the other reminders about life that life is tragic and horrible. And, you know, why are we... Why are we even here except to, you know, semi-enjoy it and then die? So I really appreciate where y'all just went. I love it so much. So with that, let's wrap up the show with our takeout boxes. I'm going to start with our panelists, with, with our guest co-host. What is your takeout box for this conversation? Um, I feel like my takeout is that there's still so much I, I need to learn, right? Like just listening to Ezra, there's stuff I was just like, I have no idea what, you know, what he's talking about. And that, that feels great. Like there's, if you're not continuously learning, then you, you can die. Like I want to learn until I take my last breath. Mm. I am a nerd, nerd, nerd. And so I, that is my takeout that. And then that, um, there's, there's opportunity here. There's massive opportunity. <laughs> See what you did there, folks? You have a skill, Amber. You need to get paid. She's dating she's dating a rapper who has been helping her with her freestyle skills. There is opportunity um for for growth in this and there's a space for us. There's a space for us and there's opportunity for those of us who are already in this field to create that space for that next group and that next generation. Um, and so I'm gonna get up with Ezra and we gonna, we gonna chat and we gonna make some things happen. That's and it. there's people like my core group of people are singers and conductors and composers and they're all black. Mm. So there's space and talent, definitely. That's my takeaway. Oh, and Amber, listen to Night by Florence Price. Night? I've heard of Florence Price. Like just Florence Price is who um Christine did her dissertation on. She studied all her work. She's yeah. the, she's a black female composer, black mm -hmm. woman composer. Um listen night to night as in K N or just N? No, N. Just N? Okay. I think you'll like that one. It's an art song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Amber, make sure you send that list. Send that list out. Or either put it all under the Facebook. Um, so yeah. Okay. Uh, I would like to. Oh, I don't know what this section is called, but I this get what I'm saying. Take out box. Take out box. Yeah. Away from the from the conversation. I took away that it's more important to double down on being a whole person, a well-rounded individual. You guys mentioned. Well, I don't have a lot of knowledge in this area. I'm thinking the same thing. I, I have probably scratched less than a quarter of the surface when it comes to the music in this genre alone, not even opera. So I think the two takeaways I have is to keep fostering the need for information, but not for the novelty of the information. It's for the use of it. The use of it is to say, what can Black people do together to give ourselves access to power, 
protection of physical body and mind and opportunity to make money. That's what the knowledge is for. It's not supposed to be like, hey, I know this because I went to college for how many years I've been in college? 16 years. It, that is not a thing to be proud of. Going to college in itself is not something to be proud of because the college system's all screwed up from top to bottom. What we can and should be proud of is the knowledge we can get if we were to go to college because we're getting it here. It's starting here. And, and that's my takeaway. I want to double down everything I do to, to get knowledge, to get it with people that look like me and who are passionate about whatever the whatever field you in you ain't got to be in music but let's sit down i'll show you what i can do show me what you can do and let's do something together black people sit down finding resources of mind and knowledge and then finding opportunity to make money that's what i took away from there and something i took away um was something that lauren said earlier um but make the walls move so that so the room can fit you that that just did something to me. And I just think that that is just so beautiful. And I'm just like, <sighs> we belong everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And I don't even like the, the kind of concept of like inclusion and belonging because it's just so somebody else is letting me in. You know, I don't, I don't like that because there's still that gatekeeper knowledge, that gatekeeper um, implicit message there. Um, but to say like, I will make the walls move so I can fit wherever I'm supposed to be because I'm supposed to be here. I want to be here. I like being here and I'm making them all the walls move because I'm going to bring some of my homies in here with me who also like this shit, who we also enjoy it. Don't act like it, I'm the only one because one of my questions I was wrestling with was like, do y'all feel alone in this world? But the, I mean, in this like um, symphonic and opera world and I couldn't ask that question because the more you all spoke it's like I got you know I have all my friends who do this or I have this person this person so it's like black people are not alone in this space it's just like y'all are there and y'all are there together and you find your people now you might be outnumbered in some instances yet at the same time you have your people and so to me it's just again about that collective us coming together like finding finding what you and just doing that and going hard and whatever you whatever you love and whatever you're passionate about you will find other people who are doing the same thing with you and just go in that and enjoy it so that's what I'm taking with me it's just like I, I can go anywhere I want to go I can absolutely go anywhere I want to go and I will go there if I want to go and I will be there with some other people who are down for me and down for my cause and we have similar values so I feel encouraged to just listen to you all be in this space so thank you all for sharing this and giving and helping me understand to not just call classical music classical music symphony symphonic music and opera mm -hmm. yes thank you so much I feel smarter just a pinch <laughs> <laughs> Man, no, that that was everything right there. So, I mean, everything Amber just said, I'm, I'm, you know, I echo that. And um, one of the bigger things is just to watch you all. Like, you know, Ezra started off by saying this is kind of this is a language, and it's even more than a language. Yeah. She said this is more than a language, and it's an ecosystem. And I just got a, you know, just 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 a, a small peek into that. And just being a part of the conversation and, you know, adding whatever I could, but then for the most part, just kind of learning and just listening to, mm -hmm. you know, you know, what you all were talking about. And it reminded me of the hip hop conversation. You know what I'm saying? If you're a lover of hip hop 
if you grew up with hip hop, if you're a lover of the culture and everything about it, there is a certain kind of conversation and language and feel and move and knowing this song and this artist and this producer and this rapper and this, and then how that leads into others. And I saw that same thing with, with you all when talking about symphonic music and opera, you know, and, you know, and this person and how that leads to this person and how this person wrote of their experiences. And this led to Adolf Hitler using this music to yeah. you know, feed, you know, to feed into the Jews when he was persecuting them. And like, it's like, this stuff is, is ingrained in our, in our global culture. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's a part of that, you know? And so I was just so, you know, blessed and honored to just hear that and just to be kind of, you know, kind of like a fly on the wall and then be able to take that and say, okay, and how does that relate to, to me, you know, as black people? And, you know, you all were even able to take, you know, the errors of classical music and then relate it to, you know, the um the Migos era, the future era, the Kanye era, the Jay. So it's just like I, I feel like, man, like I'm I'm missing out on so much about understanding music and black music by by not knowing as much about opera and symphonic mm. music. But I feel like you all have have both. You know what I'm saying? And you get to like merge that together. And so I'm even more excited about the work that you all are gonna do. Um, you know, and, and the music that you all are going to make in, in your performances because of the way you can just kind of blend all of these different things together. I didn't know about, about Porgy and I, like, I knew about Porgy and Bess. I, and bought, I, I bought it on record, but now I'm like, I, I kind of want to throw it away. I'm like, for real, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Throw it away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how you going to do that? And Don't throw it away. It's still good music. It's still you know good saying? music. But talk about our music. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not ours, but it's not ours, and that's the thing. Exactly. We can perform, we can perform it, but it's not exactly. ours. Yeah, and so I'm like, man. So just just learning, man. Just learning so much. I'm 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 just so grateful and so happy that you all were here, and I look forward to people watching this episode, and it'll be on platforms for years to come, so people can come back and watch it and and learn from everything you all just poured into us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I guess with that being said, all hearts and minds clear. How we feel? Everybody good? I think. Yes, yes. It's been another this episode. Was a good this was a real good conversation. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, we got Thank it. You so Thank you for inviting me. Too. Lauren, are you in the, you have my number in the chat? We should talk to you. Okay. I'll text you. Yes, make them black connections. Connections. <laughs> make an opportunity. And bring Lauren back to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. so a person too. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, bring. Yes. I missed it. What'd you say? I said bring Lauren back to Atlanta so I can see you in person. Yes, please. <laughs> I miss Atlanta so much. That, you're not that far though. Y'all, we said no. Oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like six hours. Six hours. Yeah. Probably. That's not far. I drive to Ohio back and forth all the time. So that's okay. Cool. All right, y'all. It's been another episode. Street Academy Podcast, where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets. And we are out. But before we're out though, where can we where can people contact you all you all and, and connect with you all? Um, you can find me on Facebook, Lauren Harris. Um, and then my YouTube channel is Lauren Harris Soprano. There we go. Yeah. Ezra? 
Uh, you just email me, ehogglebooks at cau.edu. <laughs> Email behind. Send me an email, bro. I ain't got time for all that. I mean, if you email me, then I know you want to do work, and I'm trying to work, man. I'm trying to make money. I want to. I want to make money for my people doing art. So hit my line, bro. Let's do no, Let me get my email too. <laughs> Let's hit my line. Ready to go. It's L A B as a boy, and then write my maiden name W R I G H T at hotmail.com. It's throwback. I'm hotmail. hotmail and i never changed it i have had no issues what hotmail. Y'all, better, y'all better get in my hotmail <laughs> hey i love that i haven't heard a hotmail address in years but i love that they're still around i didn't even know they were still like chugging I, along i still got mine i still got my hotmail. i don't use it as much though but i still got it i'm still there yeah. Yo, and shout out to the AUC. I did attend CAU. I'm a Clark alum, so shout out to the AUC right there. Hey, 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 hey. I gotta tell you, I got a, who listening? I got a full scholarship for a violinist to go to CAU. Wow. Now, that's crazy because Morehouse has never done that for a music student. Music student. And neither has Spellman. Yeah, don't. Yo, yo. You're, alum, you're, you're an alumnus of a school that's progressive. Yes. Oh, I love Clark. I love I love it so, so much. I've, I've been Me involved too. in all. I've taught at Spellman. I've taught at Morehouse. I was a professor at Morehouse for a while. But yeah, I, I love, I love, love, love my, my album. Yo, we got to talk too, bro. I need to know your, what happened to you. <laughs> yeah. But CAU is the truth, man. They, they, they are going to make everyone proud. Because I think the new president is thinking with his dollars and cents mind first. French, man. He's doing his thing over there, Dr. That's what we need. We need money, man. We ain't trying to talk about nothing else. I don't want to hear nothing else from nobody. How are we making money for these students to come for free? That's right. You said what? I mean, you know, I can I can never be in a place where you can just say we got to be all about the money or the money first. I feel like there has to be something that motivates you to want to have the money. Um, so I feel like there has to be some heart and values in there. But that's another conversation, another podcast for another day. We thank you two lovely people for joining us <laughs> for the Street Academy podcast. <laughs> Jesse Johnson is <laughs> one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets. We're going to see all y'all later. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go all right bye <laughs> thank you all so much uh, but you know got their feet upon the neck of the haters the game and the devil i came in recording let me just go ahead yeah we just go go ahead and start right. we go yeah let me let me, get, let me get this back to the guy because I, I know i'm surprised that you know this guy man <laughs> just get him are you bro? Yeah. Yeah. We, oh, yeah we what's going on? Who else is in here? We we about to. Go. Oh, hello. Hey, this is real. <laughs> See, <laughs> like, yo, Steve, do you know Lauren? Jonathan Grant on your phone. <laughs> Steve, do you know Lauren? Do what? Do you know Lauren? No, I do not believe. No, actually, I've seen Lauren a bunch. A couple uh, times, yeah. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, Lauren, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Lauren around. Steve, when did you get to Atlanta? What year did you move here? 2011. So y'all, was, so y'all was here around the same time? No, no, I've, no, I've seen Lauren a lot. Like, I've seen her around. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like, okay. you guys like to bring her around for quite a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren was literally like, Lauren was before 
everything Jared was doing, Lauren had like already done it. And then, so she was way past when we were doing like testimonies and like Suo Kenzo. Lauren was like, I'm, I'm, I did all that. She was, was like the originator. She was she like was one the of the founding. So she looked like that from the very beginning. I just had yeah. a suspicion that this was the case. Yeah, <laughs> he was doing way bigger things than that. So we was just singing, you know, whatever we was doing, and she was like doing big things. Oh, she, he's a Jonathan's a singer, though. Yeah, no, no, John does everything, man. He's he's I'm he is a renaissance man. He, he does a little bit. A little no. He does everything, man. Don't don't let this guy. He's not just an act. He, he does poetry, hip hop. You you name it. Greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> they said they said I was gonna be the next Daniel Caesar, but you know, I I gave my heart to Christ. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, listen, bro. What was it? What was it called? The um. What was it called? Uh, the chase. Uh, the chase, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We thought we were gonna be the next room. We thought we were gonna be drinking all vodka. Love and them boys. No. <laughs> I have. This is the. My little, my orb, it's called Orby. Orb, okay. wow. Yeah, I love it. It's a galaxy. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, we'll see you. 